Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we have Sean Nittner. Hello. Uh, there's too many things that you are that I, I don't want to list everything that you do because, you know, but for now, Let you're... Sean list it. Sean. Sean. Sean says it all. Sean Nittner. Yes. Uh, but you do. What is it? Uh, are you a producer, Grand Poobah of Big Bad Con? I've, I've, uh, I, yeah. I have two roles at Big Bad Con. I am the steward of the con, which is the actual event that we put on. And I'm also the president of Big Bad Con Incorporated, which is the nonprofit that then hosts the con and other ancillary events around it. So it wow. also is our youth outreach events that hosted the Story Synth Micro Grants and all those other things. It, kind of, it all folds under the, uh, the nonprofit. This huge... Umbrella. Huge, huge. There, there are there are tens of people that come. <laughs> okay, so for those of you who have not been or heard our previous uh, interviews of you, you know, we'll just do something real short. You know, when did you first start gaming? Like, I know people play like Stratego and Monopoly and stuff, but like, what is it? Hobby gaming, if you want to use that term. I don't know what you would use to to uh, describe what we do. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I dove in. My fa my family was. I always wanted to play games, and I learned quickly that Monopoly was a terrible game that lasted forever, and nobody <laughs> wanted to play it. Uh, but as a kid, I was always trying to play games, and then I uh, and I apologize to all listeners who have heard the story before. Uh, but I've uh, I was in the library. I was twelve years old in the library in middle school, and there was a table kind of in the back, and I heard these guys talking, and I kind of was like looking at looking at books, and I was li I was listening to them talk, and they were speaking in funny voices and they were making stuff up and i was like what what's going on here they're they're playing D D, and i was like can i play and they're like sure you're a gnome in a sack and i was like okay <laughs> cool i'm a gnome in a sack and like the one useful thing i did was i overheard some people having a conversation that didn't realize i was there because i was in a sack All and right. so that was like my that was my useful contribution was like to listen in on a contribution and i was stuck like that you know, I came back the next session, made it roll up my own character, and, and I just never stopped. From and there. that was so, that was it. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it was it was Alex and Zach and Clayton and Panama. These guys all just playing in a story, and um, and they just said, "Yeah, sure, sit down," and you know, found a spot for me. It was great. You know, we've talked to quite a few people, and it seems like middle school is the time period that people just they come across some sort of role-playing game, whether it was D&D, &D, whether it was Gamma World or whatever, you know, even fifth edition nowadays. But middle school is like, I don't know what it is about middle school. You, you, or, and nowadays, it's back when I went, it was junior high, whether you shove all these kids together from different parts of the town. And yeah. I guess some kids are just playing this weird game. And then you're like, hey, I want to try I that. I think it's, you know, I think there's something about the amount of free time you have. I think there's something about the kind of like, like amazing, you know, like you're going through puberty and your body just has like all this energy to do stuff. And there's lots of things you could focus that on, but one of them could be memorizing the monster manual, you know, could be like reading every single magic item in the DMG could, you know, could be writing, drawing maps for hours and hours, making a thousand characters you'll never play. I mean, there's so much like, creative energy you could pour into role-playing games even if you're not at the table uh, that i think is like for me as a teenager i mean i remember every time my dad would take me down to santa rosa and i'd go to fantasy books and games which is no longer with us and i'd get a i'd get a role-playing game and we were playing everything like we started with dnd but we played mythos and battle lords of the 23rd century and tmnt and and robotech and every time i'd get a game i mean i would immediately go home and just Get any sheet of paper. Just start making characters. Yeah, yeah. I think you you just did you read my my biography? Is that what it is? Because yeah, that's exactly that's what it, it. I I had never thought about that that angle about being that young and just being like a sponge still and wanting to use that extra energy to do something. That's that's very insightful. I I, I was because I was like like why that time period? But yeah. Well, and at that age anything that makes you happy is good right that's and true doing making sure. characters whether you're going to use them or not makes people happy <laughs> there's yeah. a huge library of unused characters in everybody's oh <laughs> gosh yeah i mean I, I could tell you the, the backstories that i've written but you know i'll also be gaming at the time i i know this is sort of a, a topic that uh is a labored one right now and I, uh but you know gaming at the time felt like a very inclusive space in a world that was otherwise not necessarily you know i was um 
kind of awkward kid and, and didn't really know I wasn't like when the cool kids and I didn't play any sports and I didn't really like have a place and literally I just saw these guys gaming and part of what was so cool about it is that I just said can I play and they said yes I mean for all I know that could have been soccer or you know some other game too right like I, I don't know where I would have gone if I had asked a bunch of other people if I could play and and I got into whatever they were doing but yeah it was just a space where I felt like instantly was cherished and recognized and accepted and and that was great cool yeah i never thought about it that either i mean i luckily for me i had my older brother who talked about it and then at the same time we were interested in like the lord of the rings or the hobbit and stuff so you know that is that is uh that is very also very insightful man i should talk to you more often so I think he answered how gaming has changed his life. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You didn't, uh, oh, yeah. Well, I, I would, I'd love to add one detail to that, which is that um, gaming is where I've met the majority of my closest friends. I mean, I, through going to conventions and, and playing games online and playing games in, in, in game stores, I've met so many amazing people. And I think there's something magical about spending two, three, four hours sitting down, making up stories together. And then the conversation that happens afterward, when the game's over and yeah. you're sitting around yeah. talking about it. I mean, I was literally just playing a game of Blade Runner with you, Saul, at Kubicon, and it was great to play the game, but it was also great was sitting around with everybody afterward talking about the game. Like, oh, remember this and that's cool thing. And then ah, I love this. Oh, man, I wish we played another session so we could do this too. You know, like all that, like, and I feel like that, it's it's the it's it's where you take the game experience, which is like a narrative, and you turn it into a story. Like you go from in it to talking about it right. and then that's how it sort of seals it in your mind and that experience of doing that with people is just it's really rewarding and i think it really bonds people together and yeah, it certainly has for me i totally agree because like many times when i run a game or even playing a game if it's a really good experience like everybody's like oh yeah i gotta get to bed or there and then all of a sudden we spend 45 minutes just talking about stuff right the game yeah. what other games we played what we liked about it and stuff it was just like so much for like the idea that we're tired because you know i usually run games in the evening right because i just that way i could have the room for the the next 24 hours or 12 hours sure. if I wanted to. But it was like, oh, yeah, it's 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, let's get to bed. And then somebody said, ask a question. Then the then the questions keep talk, you know, keep going. And then, you know, half an hour later, 45 minutes later, we're like, oh, yeah, we're really tired. We should get yeah, to bed. Yeah, I mean, I have a, I have a love story to, to tell about that exact thing. <laughs> I uh, Endgame, uh, rest in peace Endgame, used to ho host these uh, mini cons. Right. And um, and after a minicon, uh, which was usually three, four hour uh, RPG slots, and after a minicon, which ended at like a midnight or something like that, uh, I would always ask, hey, does anyone want to go out and grab a bite and, and talk, you know, for to do exactly that? And usually I'd get a group of a few people, but one year, and this is a year when I had just run an Apocalypse World game and I was all like dressed up for it. I had my hair and Liberty Spikes. I had, you know, I had welding goggles on. I had... <laughs> All my clothes were distressed. I had a bandolier on, all the stuff. You know, it looked really, really great, right? One year I said, hey, does anyone want to go out? And the only person who was able to go out was Karen Twells. And so Karen and I went out just to talk about the game we played in. <laughs> and, you know, we kind of realized, like, hey, you know, I... we had a lot of this game together, but also uh, you seem pretty cool. And <laughs> you seem pretty cool, too. And, you know, 10 years later, we're uh, happily married. Oh, and, uh, my God. I had never heard that. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, so, and I think that ha that has happened more often. I think when we first started going to conventions, me and Jolene, and even me by myself and my brother, well, with my brother, uh, it was all, you know, there a lot of single people, a lot of, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's the, the kids, right? The kids' room is blowing up. The yeah. teen room is, is large in certain con local conventions. And then uh, I'm like, I look at Jolena and I ask her, what's, what's going on? And she goes, those all, you know, gamer girls get together, gamer guys, and they have gamer children. <laughs> and she goes, you should know that. You know, you have a kid that goes to every convention that you, we go to. And I go, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. But I had never heard that about you and Karen. I was wondering how you guys met. I figured it was yeah. through gaming. I just... Automatically yeah. assumed. But. The, that wasn't the first game we played together. The first game we played together was Carl Rigney's uh, game Agon, uh, or sorry, it was John Harper's game Agon that Carl Rigney was running for us at Endgame. And you know, Karen and I both played these giant hotshot Greek heroes who were trying to one up each other every turn. 
because uh, that's what you do in Agon. Also, many years later, I co-wrote the second edition with right. John and then Karen edited it. So the game that we met together is also a game that we have now in the second edition published together. So, you know, there's a lot about my life that has been enriched by gaming. You know, no, it's, no not, doubt. Just, no it's doubt. not just funny voices and rolling D12s, you know. It's... <laughs> yeah, that's amazing because like, like I said, I've known you for a while and I, and I don't really, I know Karen through you. And I, and when I knew Karen, she was already with you. You know, I remember we played, uh, what was that? Uh, turn in taxes. Turn in taxes together. Yeah, that was at uh, I don't know if it was KublaCon or Dungeon. Probably KublaCon. I think it was Kubla. Yeah. yeah. You know, we we've all been to other cons. You know, we've been to Dungeon Con. We go we go to local cons. We don't ever go to like you know, Gen Con or anything like that. So yeah. so we or go to local cons. Right yeah, and uh, you know, and each of them have like D like Dungeon Con has is it's really famous for it's like role playing especially D&D games and sure. KublaCon it kind of kind of was an all around con it was more more about board games and role playing games and miniature games yeah. uh but big bad con how would you describe big bad con i mean in 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 any if it's famous for something what is it you think yeah i think if there's something that we strive to i don't know i don't know if we're famous for it but if there's something <laughs> that we focus on there's something that we really strive for it's investing in our community investing in the um in the in in the people who are coming to the con um, and I think we do that in some like really big ways. Uh, our stretch goal guests are always folks that are either game designers or like community leaders, people who manage community spaces and discord locations and things like that. People that they gather other folks together. We have our scholarship that helps marginalized attendees that come to the con. We've got the POC programming track that, help, that helps gamers of color not only attend, but also have the POC dinner and the meet and greet to have industry connections. But we also do it in a lot of like, small ways that may not seem big, but we, there's a lot of intention that's been put behind them. Like Big Bad World is our little mini game of like being nice to each other. So you get rewarded, you get XP when you do things like pull up a chair for someone or welcome them to the conversation or catch them up on what you were talking about or teach someone how to play a new game. And then when you get all the XP for your playbook, you turn it in, you get a pin, you get another playbook. And we sort of, it's this game of, encouraging good behavior at the con and we have accessibility gear that we have available for everybody so there's giant sized dice and big pencils and large character sheets and you know things to help if you have sight issues mobility you know uh, hand-eye coordination hand-eye dexterity issues any any kind of anything that we can help out with we have those sort of bins of accessibility gear and we just try to think about like the people attending and w how we can support them and really build foster the community. So I don't think you see it like, Oh, big bad has the most games or the most that I think what, what I cherish, what I focus on is just how much we invest in everyone who comes and, and, and our community. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while since I've been there. I think the last time I was there when you guys were at Oakland Hyatt. Oh my uh, goodness. Uh, no, is it Oakland Hyatt? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, no, it was the, yeah, it was the Oakland Hilton. Hilton, it, yes. Yeah, now Airport. we're at the Hyatt. Yeah, now we're um, at the Hyatt Regency. We were Hyatt, Marriott, Hilton. Um, okay. Yeah. The only reason Saul hasn't gone is because he always says, I want to go, but it's always it has always been, except I heard it's a different time this time, our, this the weekend of my son's birthday. Exactly, so. yeah. <laughs> it's the worst timing. I know you probably... <laughs> I think there was one, you know, a couple of years where you, you brought him as, as, as part of the birthday. But, you know, he's he's got his birthday plans. But this year, uh, if I can do a little bit of shelling, we're September 8th through October 1st. So we're a little earlier. And uh, I'd love to have you guys come out. It'd be great. September what? September 28th. 28th. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That looks more doable because my Excellent. son is until another couple of weeks away. His birthday great. anyway. Great. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, what was I going to say? So you've been at it. For, how long has Big Bad Con been around now? It's been uh, year? first year was 2011. Um, we did take 2020 off completely, and 2021 was just an online event. Okay. Uh, because of COVID. Right. Um, so depending on the way you count it, we've either been 10 years or 12 years. Right. Like I don't really know how to or 13. No, 12. Yeah. 10, 10 or 12, depending on whether you count those uh, years where we didn't have in-person events. Um, right. But yeah, it's been a bit. Yeah, it's been a while. I think I remember when I first went 
it was just bo- it was just role playing games, right? Yeah. And it, now you've incorporated some board games and stuff. Was that like always your intention, or was that like somebody's idea that hey, I I like to have a little bit more variety? I don't know what, how that came about. Basically, that was because of you saw. Um, <laughs> no, um, I don't think it, so. It was, no, I'm serious. Um, so I started with role playing games because that's what I knew really well. I what I knew about role playing games was the kind of games that I thought work the best in a four or six hour slot. Um, the, the, the GMs who ran really, really excellent games, the, uh, the experience that I wanted for me as a player when playing a game and I, and I'd been to going to cons for, you know, more than a decade. And I really had a good sense of what I wanted out of role-playing games and how that could work. Like I had a vision for role-playing games and, and for LARPs for that matter, but LARPs wasn't as strong. Thankfully I got a LARP coordinator to help me early on. But I had a really strong vision for TTRPGs, and I didn't have a strong vision for how board games work. And I, it wasn't part of my original focus. And you, honestly, invited me to Solicon back in 2013, and um, uh, that was my first Solicon, <laughs> and, and, uh, and asking about a board game track, along with several others, but I, I specifically remember uh, you, Sol, talking about it, really got me thinking, like, well, how could we build this in? And so it started pretty casual. It was just like, Here's a bunch of board games. Endgame would lend us their board game library for the weekend. We'd put it out. and uh, But then eventually we built space dedicated to it and built the track and have them on the schedule and and have really grown it. Uh, because I think that you know board games fill a really important space of... It, they can both be the, yes, I want to sit down and play eight hours of Twilight Imperium. Like that is a very like, <laughs> yes, I'm here for that. And there's also the... Man, I, you know, I got an hour to, I've got an hour or two. What can I do? Oh, hey, let's go, you know, pick up a game of Splendor and play it for 45 minutes. Right. right. And, right. and, and that, um, or I'm just going to kind of hang out and see what people are up to. And then you can sit in the board game room and kind of see what people are doing and go, oh, yeah, that looks great. And hop into a game. And I feel like that there's a way to hop into board games. There's a visual language that they have that, that role playing games don't have. You can't really, really tell what someone's playing buy a pile of books on the table but you can absolutely see when someone starts playing king of tokyo and they bring out their giant you know <laughs> godzillas right yeah. and you're like oh i i know what's going on here so uh yeah i think it's been a huge benefit to the con uh it wasn't part of the original plan but thanks to my amazing attendees saying hey uh what about board games we, we added them <laughs> Cool. So thank you, Saul. Oh. I'm sure there was a lot of people involved in that because I know, I think uh, somebody who goes to your con, is it uh, Ezra? Did you, yeah. Ezra Denny? And he's a big board gamer. I mean, huge. He goes to, uh, yeah. was it the BBG? They have a con somewhere in Texas. So yeah. he goes with his, uh, with his wife. Bad. He goes to Essen. Yeah. He, yeah. He's, he's a really big... hardcore. Yeah. Ezra is our, uh, is our board game coordinator. Well, there you go. So, uh, Ezra's our coordinator, Annabelle Blackman, uh, Sam Gustus, and Shanti Moriarty are our ranger captains. Right. And then we also have volunteers. So yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole track. Like there's a whole, there's a whole, whole bunch of people that, that, that are work towards putting it on, but. So you're, you're just not a one man show, huh? You're not, you're not the. 33 <laughs> people on staff. That's pretty we're good. All, we're all volunteer and no, no one, no one has, uh made any money off a of big bad con that's not the intent it's a non-profit but yeah we have a really fantastic group of coordinators and ranger captains and then i'm guessing we'll probably have around 75 rain- volunteer rangers wow. this year. so yeah over 100 people will end up putting it on cool which considering it's probably going to be a 800 person con i think that's a pretty good ratio you know there's a lot of a lot of folks working to to make it happen so 800 people you know i i always wondered about post pandemic cons right because like the the first one we went to i think i forget which one it was but it was really low attendance and i can totally understand in yeah. person meeting people after pandemic you know yeah we did they did have uh needed to be vaccinated they did have to wear masks but still you know you're getting together in this post uh covid thing were you worried about the numbers about people not coming back when you were thinking about putting it on Put it on the con after the COVID. Well, yeah, it, I mean we're still in COVID, but past yeah. the, the the really bad part or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of well, there was a lot of discussion that went into how can we make the con safe enough for our you know most vulnerable attendees because we have a lot of attendees with immunocom- who are immunocompromised and have comorbidities and 
would doing that, would all the public health policies that we'd put in place, would doing that dissuade even more people? You know, would that would that be would that uh, be an issue, or would that right. make people feel safer so that they could come and and therefore bring bring people? Uh, there was a lot of unknowns last year. Uh, it was a little scary in terms of hitting our minimum requirements with the hotel. Um, to get a perspective on it, in 2019, uh, we had almost a thousand people, not 975. Wow. In 2020, we had just over 500. So we basically cut in half. And of the 500, 250 of those people were first time attendees. So it wasn't even like we cut in half of our original base. Our original base was really cut into a quarter. Wow. And then there were new folks that, that came. Um, and that's also, a, that that in itself is a bit of a, a, a something you want to take into consideration when you have such a, a large new population coming to, to an event. You know, are they going to know all of our social norms? Are they going to know about our community standards of respect and support and kindness? Are they going to embrace what Big Bad is all about? Thankfully, very much so. They very much did. Last year was was a really lovely event, but uh, but yes, the numbers were were, were way down. And um, and this year, I don't know that we're going to quite hit those twenty nineteen numbers. But from the number of scholarship applications we've gotten so far, from the number of game submissions that we've had, from the uh, support on our crowdfunding um, campaign that's going on right now, uh, all all things really indicate that there's a strong return. Yeah. And and hopefully people all have because we tell them, please read our public health policy. They all know that, you know, masks are required in all event spaces. Vaccinations are still required. Uh, a lot of cons to sort of re- relax those restrictions. Um, but we we know that a lot of our attendees just cannot attend an event where there aren't, you know, where they don't know at the very least that people are wearing masks just because they're so, you know, in such a vulnerable state. And so we really want to watch out for those folks. But it feels like people really embraced it. Last year, we even made one of the ways to get XP in Big Bad World to take a selfie with your mask on. And we had Big Bad Con branded masks that were free for everybody. So we were trying to encourage the like, keep your mask on when you're taking a selfie rather than take it off, which is sort of the the con culture, you know, that you're seeing in other conventions. Everyone right. pulled masks down and I'm like, really trying to make it safe for everybody, as safe as we can. You know, you, you can't ever control it. But last year we had zero transmissions, which is phenomenal you know right. to have no covid transmissions reported uh at the con was great and so that's what we're shooting for again this year and i th- i feel like people are, are are coming back they're really they're willing to do it and uh it's been it's been exciting to see see how many people have signed up so far I, right. i'd love to get a, a blade runner game from you from <laughs> i still gotta put that in so no pressure <laughs> no, spotlight. so you know what i was a little nervous having you play in my game i go here's this guy who puts on a who puts on a, a convention, and he's obviously plays games with these guys, uh, these people actually, the men and women who run these fantastic games. I go, I don't know, know if I'm, if I'm, I'm that grade A type of uh, GM. I was just, I was a little nervous. I was a little nervous. Well, I've got two theories on that. One, I don't think it's a GM's responsibility to bring fun to the game. I think it's everybody's responsibility at the table. To bring their best selves, to uh, support one another, to 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 make a great game. I, I I there are some GMs who are absolute master classes in GMing, and I've still been in a game with them where the game wasn't fun because players were not encouraging each other, they weren't celebrating one another, they weren't sharing the spotlight. Um, so I I know as a GM myself, I often feel that pressure of like, oh, I got to put on a good event, I got to put on a big show. But I really try to deconstruct that and say like. No, it is not. Uh, it's on everybody to make a good game. And two, I had a blast, all so I don't know what you're worried about. I listen, folks. I got to play a Blade Runner game, and I got to look at some video footage, and I got to say enhance. And Saul, master GM that he was, was like, "Oh, you do see the reflection in her glasses um, of this person on a on a video conference as she looks down." And I won't say what I saw because maybe you'll play the scenario too, but. We got this cool bit of information that like led us to the next part of the story. So yeah, that was pretty cool. I, I was glad that you were able to to have that experience. Another thing is that I under I totally in my brain my 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 brain I understand you know everybody's responsible for the fun, but I think as a GM I'm I'm responsible for bringing a game that everybody could have fun at, and I sure. think that's where my nervousness comes from. And Jolene will he's always nervous before <laughs> he runs a game. Yeah, she oh. says that all the time, and I. 
and I don't know what it is. I think it is a little bit of stage fright because no matter what, people the way I look at it is people pay money to to go to a con and and they're using a, a, an hour no not an hour but a, a piece of time that they're at a con to sign up for my game and they're gonna be there and I'm like I think I do I no matter what I feel responsible for them being able to have fun so so I'm glad you had a good time I'm always happy yeah. to hear that people had a good time so you know my job is done sort of and uh, yeah. I, I well, could be. I don't know any GM who doesn't feel that way. I, I think that that is absolutely, you know, you walk in and everyone's like, cool, Saul, what do we do? How's it work? What, <laughs> what are we playing, right? And you're you're the one who's like, I I prepared all this stuff. I have all these things. We're playing this game. I hope this is going to be fun for you. Um, so I, I totally get it. I, you know, And when I GM, I, I often, I, I GM for my local group that we get together every week or two. And I, I've been literally running games for them for, many years now and i still get nervous when we when we when a session starts you know it, even these are my really good friends and 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 uh you know i don't know how how something's gonna run so i i totally get you i feel you cool, cool. even if even if i want to move away from that mindset i get where it comes yeah from yeah now. yeah you were talking about crowdfunding big bad and i guess it's, it's gone really well you're right mm-hmm. you've done really well uh, you got all these uh, special guests coming in and then you have these uh you call them scholarships uh you want to explain that a little bit Sure, sure. Yeah, we have a total of three different programs to bring folks to the con. So the first one is, like you mentioned, we have stretch goal guests. We're currently, I think, $1,000 away from bringing Aaron Katanases, uh to, to the con. He's uh, he's the guy who's behind All My Fantasy Children. He's a voice actor. He's uh, an amazing world builder. He, we're, I was just on a panel with him where we were building fantasy worlds at Amazing guy. Anyway, and we have plenty of other folks lined up. So uh, if you happen to get to this, w- listen to this while the crowdfunding campaign is still running, please, please go support us in making this happen. But that's one one method. Uh, the second method is the Big Bad Con scholarship, uh, which is scholarship that anybody from any marginalized identity can apply to. So women and folks of marginalized gender, uh, LGBTQIA, uh, queer individuals, anybody, people with disabilities, people of color, anybody who's you know, part of a marginalized identity can apply to the scholarship. And we, a part of the, one of the crowdfunding options is to donate to the scholarship. And so a lot of folks have done that. And we also have a lot of private donations that have come in from individuals and companies that have funded the scholarship program. And so the scholarship, scholarship usually gives out about $400 on average. That's kind of the standard uh, offer that we can make. So it's not quite going to pay for your way there, but it will certainly ease, you know, usually it covers a flight or your hotel or a decent sized chunk of it. And then the third uh, program that we have is um, the POC programming track, which is uh, 10 folks. There's 10 into 10 members of the programming team. I'm one of them. I'm the only white person who's a part of the team, but I'm there because I'm kind of the interface with Big Bad Con. And we all, we nominate and then vote on and then invite gamers of color from all over the world. In previous years, it was mostly local folks in the US or Canada, Mexico. But last year, we uh, made a big focus to bring in more folks from um, the Philippines, from India, and from South America. And this year, we're also, uh, we're continuing to bring folks from those areas and also trying to bring more indigenous uh, attendees. And so that programming track, we do a lot of private fundraising for, and everyone is invited and we cover the full flight, uh, half of a room. So it's free if you share it with somebody and attendance to the POC dinner, which any person of color can can come to, but it's it's included if, if you're one of the scholars, as well as the meet and greet, which connects people with industry contacts to try and like advance, help them advance their careers. Yeah, yeah. So there's three <laughs> different tracks. It's a lot to juggle, but um, I have different folks kind of investing their energy into different places. And so I'm like, if someone says, hey, we want to bring more people to the con, we want to support them. I say yes. Let's make it happen, you know, and let's and let's do it. Very cool. I even saw. Uh, now it was funny because you announced it after I saw it, but drive through had drive through RPG had some sort of uh, bundles for to sell to help raise money for Big Bad Con, right? Yeah, it was really fantastic. I now, was did, work- did you work on that, or how did that come about? Yeah, so I talked to Meredith Gerber, who is my my rep over at Drive Through, and I said, "Hey, you know, can." Because drive through and roll twenty are in a semi-merged state right now. They're yeah. they're they're not quite one hundred percent merged, but they're close enough. 
And I said, hey, can can drive through a World 20, support Big Bad Con. And we were brainstorming some ideas. And what Meredith came up with is she said, well, Big Bad Con's a charity, right? And I said, yep, we're a 501c3 nonprofit charity registered in California. And she said, well, one thing that we've done in the past is we've done bundle events for charities where 95% of the proceeds go to the charity. Uh, the other 5% basically cover merchant fees. You know, they, have, they, they need to keep a little bit to kind of cover the credit card transaction fees right. and all that, all that jazz. They give 95% of the proceeds to a charity and they run a bundle for a week or however long. In this case, it was a week. And they ask all of these publishers to donate games. And so we had we had Cypher System, we had Scion, we had uh, Dune, we had all sorts of amazing games from, uh, you know, like top end games, you know, to, uh, you know, like high level games, not just sort of the, the scraps, uh, as you'd say. Um, <laughs> yeah, gotcha. And they all said, sure, you can have my game. Uh, it was super discounted. You basically got like $250 worth of games for 50 bucks. And every, you know, and again, 95% of those proceeds went to Big Back Con. And so they raised over seven grand and that's all going directly into our scholarship fund. So um, that money is going to help, you know, that many more people come to the con. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And they also did a Big Bad Quest, which is a mix of um, their pocket quest where people kind of, normally the way it works is people get on and they, three people get on who don't know each other and they all uh, get a prompt and then have to build a monster off of that prompt and then come back and compare it. But in this case, because Big Bad is very collaborative in nature, I said, no, no, let's have them work together instead of compete. And they <laughs> built worlds together. So they got a prompt and they built two worlds in an hour. It was really, really cool. Just watching them brainstorm and spin off ideas and make these super cool. Very uh, cool. Super cool worlds together. Uh, so yeah, so drive through has been a huge supporter of the con. It's been really, really great. That's great. Did you buy that bundle? Because you buy every bundle. That... I, you know what was funny is that I was very tempted, right? I'm like, oh, that's a really. I already have that a physical book, even like the site, yeah. the cipher system. I had so many. I had almost ninety percent of that stuff. I go well. I decided not to buy either one of those bundles because I go. Oh, I'm just gonna throw money at his con directly anyway. So I don't. I, have, take I don't it. have to double dip. <laughs> I'll take it. I know, yeah, Jolene, can... as soon as you said that, she's giving me that look like, did you buy those? <laughs> I go, I've never, and then most likely, already, some of them were already in my library. Cause I, I, I only say that because if I ever need anything, I just go to his drive through RPG library, and he has so much stuff on there from all of yeah. the stuff that he's bought that I'm like, okay. Yeah, because I, I do a lot of bundle buying. Like you know, the you know there was the earthquake relief in Haiti even back then, and earthquakes and all this stuff. So I just buy them, you know, because they're they're good deals too. Yeah, and so they're good deals. Yeah, and even if you only play one game out of the bundle that you buy, you probably got a decent deal on it, and yeah. you're helping get cause, right. and and you have that library uh, in the future. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I think not, not to show for drive through, but they do have a good system. I, I'm a, I'm a yeah, fan. Yeah, it's kind of hard library. to argue. I got like two thousand uh, different stuff on from my library is quite extensive. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's pretty cool. I mean, that's pretty neat. When I when I see like big, not big bad, but yeah, I mean uh, drive through, and they say big support, big bad con. I was like, wow, that's like. You know, I don't know what it is. It's like uh, like a local TV station having this national-wide TV show. I'm like, wow, they're, they, you know, it's like, you know, I forget what it it's is. It's the like. big time. It's the big time, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mean, pretty soon we're, we're going to be comparing Big Bad with, uh, you know, like Gen Con or something. something. Uh, well, I... I uh... <laughs> You know, I think we're I think we're a, I think we're a ways off. It's funny because uh, I know Peter Atkinson and um, we've had lunch a few times and we've talked about the differences between Big Bad and Gen Con. I right. mean, they're 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 multiple orders of magnitude apart. Right. And so there's no way in which they can really be compared. Right. There's things that Gen Con can do that Big Bad Con can never get close to. But there's also ways that Big Bad can be more nimble than Gen than Gen Con. Can right. Be. I totally and agree. we're really, you know, talking about what what works the best and and how cons grow and it was a, it was a great conversation um but uh yeah hearing hearing all the struggles of putting on a giant con i i think i'm okay <laughs> with big bad staying staying small it's it is not an easy job to put on gen con um, i i can't imagine you know what i i've 
uh, Jolene will attest that that I put on a I uh, maybe I shouldn't announce it, but I put on a birthday party every once in a while, and I call it Solicon because I'm so humble, and uh, yeah. and it's a weekend thing. And Jolene, you know, she's she really suffers because she's like this. She's really comp- what is it? Uh, worried about people having fun. Talk about people having fun, right? And, and and I'm just like I'm like I'm gonna put it on. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna serve drinks. I'm gonna serve food, and if people have a good time or don't have a good time, that's all I can do. I can have the games there. I can have tables, chairs, all that stuff. I can only do so much. But she, you know, she sweats the small stuff. So I'm much more low key or easygoing, and she's a little bit more, you know, like I'm gotta know detail oriented. Detail oriented, right? I don't know. I don't sweat the details. So. I can't. Even, I can't even imagine. I mean, I know what a headache putting on my own birthday is. I can't even imagine putting on anything larger than that, you know. And I yeah. have maybe at the I think, I think at the peak I had like eighty people over at my at my party. So when you're talking about hundreds of people, you know, it does. It you know, it could wear on you. And I can't even imagine something like thousands of people like Kublicon and then even more at at Gen Con. So yeah. I I think you're right. I think it's a wise choice not to try for that that huge, you know. Internet, but you are an international uh, uh, convention because I know people who well, well, yeah, because I know people who come from all over to come to yeah. that go to Big Bad Con. There, there are some, there are some important ways in which I feel like Big Bad punches above its weight class, um, specifically in the you know the industry connections that we have helped people make and the community connections that we help people make. Like the the meet and greet was something that was proposed by Ajit George. Um, that he had tried something similar at other cons and couldn't really get traction with it. And I when he proposed it at Big Bad, I was like, why why do it at such a little con, right? Like you're not going to have as many industry people. You're not going to have as many connections that people could make at Big Bad as you would at a, at a larger con. And he said, yeah, but Big Bad is is the size the, the the convention size that is ready to embrace a new idea and to make space for it and and we you know we're very close we've been friends for a long time and we've talked about what the gaming you know h- how we can really help people in the, the the gaming community for for a long time so it was a natural fit you know when we were working together but it, it, a lot of his uh, fundraising to bring to bring money to to the con to help put on the events and also sort of organization has really helped us kind of like punch above our weight class. You know, we've done some things that I think even larger cons would have, w- might not, you know, couldn't do trivially at least it, like they might be able to do it, but it'd be a lot of work. And I, you know, there's over 75 people that have come to one of the meet and greet events or have been connected to somebody who went to the meet and greet event and got referred to that has had, that has gotten freelance work or a career job or mentorship. You know, sometimes it's career changing. And for a few people that have talked to me, it's been life changing. So wow. I'm really delighted that the areas where we do really again sort of punch above our weight class are the the ways i really care about and really want to you know that are way are ways in supporting other people other folks you know it's not having the largest track but there's doing some real good and i'm really makes me really happy makes me feel really good to to know that so i you know i've been thinking about big bad con for a while you know, every year it comes up and uh and uh, about you specifically and i'm like you really seem committed to helping others where does that come from where do you think that comes from? I mean, you might say your parents, you know, your, the, where you grew up, or, I mean, what do you think uh, inspires you to do that? Because, I mean, not not every con does that, right? And not everyone, you know, not every con is a charitable con. I don't think there's hardly any of them that are. And none of them put as much work, I don't know, but maybe put as much work into into creating a, uh, a con that is inclusive and, and tries to really reach out to a community that that's that might not get that kind of attention. Well, first off, thank you so much. That's a very sweet question. That's a very kind question to ask. I, I was thinking about this um, because you sent the questions over, and I think there's a lot of factors, but the one that shines out the most of, of all of them is is my mom. Mary Nittner has been working so hard her entire life. I mean, she worked since she was a teenager uh, and still continues to to provide for the folks, the people that she loves. And I just never... I've never met someone who was as generous in the kind of heart as my mom. And of course, I'm incredibly biased. Uh, everybody is. I've, but I, I have the right to be biased in this case. But my mom really taught me the value of work as uh, its own reward. I have a real I have a real conflict with the idea of like work for money in the capitalist society that we have in right now that I see like, oh, people getting exploited as they work and people are asking to do things that are unfair. 
and contrasting that with my feeling that like I get a sense of value and worth out of doing good. Like that's what makes me feel good inside is when I've done good work. Right. And she really taught me that that's far more important than making a lot of money and the far more important than like having a bunch of stuff is finishing a day feeling like you did something good. And, right. and that, uh, you know, she is still, you know, my mom's in her eighties and still working and still trying to, you know, bring a little joy, bring a little beauty to the lives of the people that she cares about my, myself, absolutely included. And that's what she just wants to do for the rest of her life. She's like, I never, I have no desire to stop. I'm going to keep going <laughs> until I can't anymore. Um, and whenever she gets sick and can't do it, she's just miserable because she's like, I want to get back to it. And she really instilled me with that sense of like, you know, I don't, I think seeking uh, happiness is folly. I think we spend a lot of time trying to like make ourselves trying to make ourselves happy. And I think seeking contentment through doing things you care about is really gives me meaning at least like, I don't, I don't know. I can't speak for anyone else, but when I've tried to just like do the thing that makes me happy, I end up feel like I'm chasing something that's impossible. But when I try and do the thing that makes me feel content and good, I can, I can finish a day and go, yeah, that was worth it. That, that was worthwhile. So that's, it's, it's selfish, I guess, because it's what makes me feel good. You know, right. right, right. No, that, no, that is, that is, I, I was kind of expecting something to do with uh, your, one of your parents. Cause like, I think, you know, every parent has, uh, wants to give something to their children. And I think uh, when, uh, when kids there, when your kids do something that you really like would kind of champion, I guess would be the word. I think that's pretty, pretty cool. And, and the fact that, and that's what I, I thought about. It. I go, man, it seems like, like, you know, Sean wants to make the world a little bit better than when, than if he wasn't there, right? And I think that's a great way to live your life. I think anybody and everybody should, if everybody would just think about that and live your life a little bit like that, I think it'd be a much better place. So you're a shining example to everybody who not only plays games, but, you know, who, who's who's around, you know. And I'm I'm glad that you are able to... Uh, to put on a con and and make people real happy and and not only that not just make happy you know, you actually change lives that's 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 a that's amazing I mean, when you're when, when you're talking about something that we're that we're just playing games and we're together just playing games that's all we do and then here we yeah. are we're able to you're able to through your con and through and through your organization be able to change people's lives that's amazing I, and your own. <laughs> you own you got married yeah, and stuff <laughs> yeah it, it, it yeah it's it gave me it's given a lot to me and i'm really happy to 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 give to it where i can and and i think it's a, a natural extension i mean you play games and you build this sort of sense of connection and community and that's and that community th those become your friends those become the people that you want to spend more time with and I, so i think the opportunity of bringing folks who are established or industry veterans who have successful companies whatnot and sort of connecting them in some capacity with gamers is 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 an important part of i hate the word networking but it's an important part <laughs> of building connections and and you know ajit basically founded this program the, the poc programming track on two principles two studies rather one of them was that 70 percent of people that get hired are hired because of some kind of personal connection like people usually hire somebody they know and the other one is that 90 percent of white people's networks are other white people and so if you take those two studies together, what that results in is that white people are going to keep hiring white people, right? And it's not out of maliciousness. It's not out of even racism. It's just out of convenience. It's just out of who they know. That's all you and know. That's so right. I don't think we're ever going to break that 70% of hiring people you know part. That's the way the human mind works. But what we can do is break up that 90% of the people you know are just other white people part, <laughs> right? Like that, like... I can, you know, we can expose, we can connect people together so that they have built in relationships. They have relationships. So that the next time a job comes up, like, oh, there's more people I know now. There's more people I can reach out to. I'm not just going to keep reaching out to the same folks I've, I've always known and I've always worked with. And so I think, but I, but I still feel like even though it's industry and business, it still to me feels like it's an extension of that, like connection you make through play that that like plays its own reward and and you you play a game and you like build this camaraderie together and i, I love i think that there's a reason those work those two things work really well together is because there's real connections that are being built con at least that's my no hope. i think you're totally right i mean i see i see people who are basically only see at cons and i consider them more friends than people like i work with every day sure you know what i mean yeah because there's Same. people at work that i you know i don't you know, and I'm I'm an old man. I I'm on Facebook, right? I don't I'm not on WhatsApp or 
chit chat box or whatever what the latest app is. I have no idea. Did I just make one up? I don't I'm, know. I'm rolling my eyes at him. <laughs> but but there's people that I literally see twice, three times a year at at local cons that and they've some of them have moved away and they still come to local cons. And I consider them be- better friends or friends other than just acquaintances that I have at work. Yeah. And that that what does that tell you when you see somebody you know three weekends out of a year and and you consider them friends and that's that and that's an amazing connection that that like you said it happens over a game table playing games and it's it's yeah. amazing yeah it's amazing what we can do i hate to ask you this question because it kind of happens sometimes in our household you know the post con doldrums i don't know what you call yeah. it you know the the post con high uh, other than the con crud which i luckily I mean, we've been avoided i've avoided ever since i've worn a mask i even wear a mask at work now all the time i've never stopped wearing a mask and like I used to get colds all the time, but anyway, yeah. who cares about that? But yeah. uh, do you what you know? Do you get that that post big bad con uh, doldrums or or downers? Or, you know, I know I get it. Like, no matter how, it's probably better. It's worse when the con goes really well, right? You get in a lot of good games. You talk to people you haven't seen in a while, and then you go back home and you're like, oh wow. Yeah. Well, or are you so busy that you don't even have a chance for that? <laughs> the fortunate thing for me, yeah. The fortunate thing for me is that the moment Big Bad ends, I start planning Big Bad online for the next year. I'm serious. Like, yeah, I it's, bet. It's basically there's space there's space six months apart because they take six months or more to put on. There's some overlap. Like Big Bad, you know, the hotel contract has to be signed a year, in, you know, more than a year in advance and oh, all wow. that jazz. But but in terms of the planning, recruiting the panelists, recruiting, you know setting the date, getting the volunteer coordinators, figuring out the streaming technology and all that stuff. We're, I, I wouldn't say the day after, but you know, Big Bad ends. I try to do a debrief with all the staff and have one-on-ones and talk about what worked and what didn't work. We send out feedback forms to all the attendees. You know, so we ask the people tell us what they liked and what they didn't. We review that. So there's a lot of like post-con debrief and processing. Right, right, right. But, you know, kind of the moment that all spins down. We're already thinking, well, what weekend is Big Bad Online going to be and, and all that jazz. So I would say before we did online events, yes, that that certainly happened. But now it's like... It, you got time for that. I don't have time. You know, and it, 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 I mean, I don't say it in a, you know, I'm not bitter about it. It's no, just no. It keeps me very busy. And so I, I, I tend to, yeah, just kind of go from one to the next attending cons i certainly have that when i when i get back from go play northwest or gen con or you know whatever those cons are i i definitely have that like oh i saw those friends and i i miss them now yeah but big bad it just feels like let's get back at it you know (laughs) no Uh, rest for you buddy there's there's basically one day a year where i feel entirely relaxed about big bad con and that is sunday night at the con the con is over the games are done Everything's packed up. It's back in public storage, and I'm just hanging out with a bunch of cool people. You know, I got I got 500 or a thousand friends just <laughs> hanging out in the area, and I can chill out in the atrium and yeah. bask in it. And I love that time. That time is so that's that's what makes it all worth it. You know, it's because at the end of that, I just go, "We did it. We did it." And at this point, anything that happens, the con's over, right? right you know, at right. this point, it's just. It's just great to great to see my friends, great to hang out with people, and then um, yeah, and, and and then we start again. It's funny that you said that a thousand of your f- f- friends, because that's what I, I joke about. People they go, they go, "Where are you going?" Oh, I'm gonna go play games with the two thousand twenty five hundred of my closest bestest friends. <laughs> yes, and, then, and you're right. You, I I I don't usually feel that way. I know other people do. They 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 get those feelings. I do what you do. I look forward to the next con. I go, okay, what am I going to run? Because I sometimes I run the same game. Sometimes I change up games. You know, I, I'm. He literally I, does. He goes, okay. I don't think I want to run this game at the next convention. I'm going to do this, and I'm like <laughs> going, that's like at least four months away. Why are you even thinking about it now? You got to plan for it. <laughs> exactly. You got to make your props. You got to make the characters. And so. he, never, he never thought about that before. I think it was our son that goes, oh, I hate Sunday night at the con because that means that we have to go home tomorrow and we're not going to, I don't get to see my friends. I go, dude, it's okay. We'll be back. We'll be yeah. back. Next so, year, next con. <laughs> so do, do you sleep? Because like, you know, don't you have a regular job too, right? Don't you have a job yeah. like that pay money? 
I do. Right? I actually, I actually have three jobs. And then so you have three jobs, right? Because you have yeah. a. I mean, welcome to America. <laughs> yeah. Um, Living the dream. Yeah. So my day job, my nine to five, is I work for UC Berkeley as a system administrator. I make sure all the servers are safe and that our credit card transactions are secure and that uh, everybody has access to the files they should have and not access to the files they don't. And that's, that's job and number one. What's that? <laughs> that's job number one. That's that's job one. Yeah, that that's what literally pays the bills. Right. Um, and thankfully, working as a sysadmin is it has a pretty flexible schedule. There's a lot of work that I need to do. Sometimes it does keep me up late at night. You know, I can be patching servers at 2 a.m. so that they don't interfere with normal <laughs> operations. But I can also have time during the day where I'm something's running in the background. You know, I'm I have a lot of flexibility in my time. Um, I'm a salaried employee. I'm expected to get the work done, and I do. And my my supervisor loves me, and I love working with with my team. And uh, so I, I manage to keep that working, but I also have lots of pockets of time in the middle for my other two jobs. Right. Um, and so job job two is I'm the director of uh, projects for Evil Hat, which basically means I'm both the project manager of our ongoing projects and the scout for our new incoming projects that we might work on. Um, and so I get to work with any given time. We have anywhere between a dozen and 15 projects that are kind of running. And I, wow. so I do weekly check-ins with people. So my, my Monday nights are writing a ton of check-ins to send out Tuesday morning. Thank you. Gmail schedule send you're a lifesaver. <laughs> So that, you know, Tuesday morning, eight o'clock, all my emails go out and I don't have to, you know, be furiously doing them right then. And I, I manage all those, all the, all the games that are in development. And then I also am recruiting and looking for new games to get in the pipeline because we got to kind of keep on adding things to the line so that we're, we always have someone working on. And then there's Big Bad. Wow. And yeah, I just... And then not, not, not only that, but not, not that it's a job, but you're a husband, right? Right. True. You got to sneak in. You got to have, you, have, you know, you got to deal, not deal, but you have to like, you know, commit to this thing called marriage and wife and have yeah, a good time yeah. with her. And you have Emmett, the little puppy that. Uh, I've that, got two kids. Uh, <laughs> two kids. <laughs> my, my youngest is turning 18. Oh, my God. Um, uh, wow. Next month. So I will have two adult children uh, very soon. Um, That's amazing. One, one, but one in college now. One about to go up to Humboldt in the in the uh, in the fall. I'm excited about. Wow. Yeah. Well, Karen and I often joke that our lives are: wake up, work out, walk the dog, have breakfast, go to work, <laughs> stop at five, have dinner, go back to work, stop at nine, <laughs> watch some TV, go to sleep. <laughs> and it's a joke, but it's also kind of true. We generally work like all day and then have like a quick dinner from like five to five thirty, and then work another three or four hours and then, oh. and then wind down with some TV and then go to bed. Um, now some on our game nights, we, you know, we play games instead. Right. Karen does a lot of improv. And so on improv nights, she's doing that. But like when she's at rehearsals, it's perfect because she goes to like, I'll come to all her shows, but there's no place for me to come to rehearsals. So she's rehearsing, you know, I'm back down here in my office and, you know, I don't know. I could, I, I don't know. I could be reading a book. I could be watching TV. I could be scrolling TikTok. But I, I, I get a lot of reward out of getting games published on the website, and you know, and 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 recruiting GMs and and, and doing and doing the work. So man, uh, you're the hardest working man I know. Damn, damn. I mean, I work, I work eight hours a day, and I'm like, oh my god, I can't do anything else. And then I hear about people like you, and I'm like, I feel pretty. Pretty slimy now. <laughs> to me, it's really about what is rewarding to you. You know, it, it's no, it's no coincidence that my work day for my day job is the part that I get done with, and yeah. go, cool, I did that, and now I'm going to do my my fun job. Yeah. You know, now I'm going to yeah. like I don't, I wouldn't want to go back to the day job after the you know my eight hours of put in right. But, <laughs> For Big Bad and for Evil Hat, there's so much, it's so rewarding right. that it doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't feel like work. It is work. It's definitely work. It's lots of work, but it's, it's, but it's work that, that really satisfies me. And so I don't mind, you know, working on, I don't mind do, doing it, you know, in, in the weird hours, you know. Well, all I can say is I know like anytime somebody mentions Big Bad Con, everybody says it's 
the con that they're always trying to get to is the best con they've been to. And I'm uh, like, man, I'm missing out. I've been missing out for a long time. And so I, I uh, mean, we, uh, we're missing out because I love the <laughs> game, Saul, Jillian. I love love seeing you both. Sounds like we might be there this year. Uh, I'm excited about it. Well, well, back to crowdfunding right now. Value badge there. It's the same price, but it helps us bring out skeptical guests. Yeah, right, so, right. so where do we go for that? Uh, if you go to bigbadcon.com, there's a link right on the page. Okay. Now, and it'll take you to backer kit. And then, yeah, the URL is a mess. I'll give right. it to you for your show notes. But uh, yeah, it's backer kit slash blah, 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 blah. All right. I'll, put a, I'll put a link in the notes. In my but notes. yeah, um, we're, we're crowdfunding with backer kit this year. They have been, you know, we did Kickstarter for a long time. Um, they uh, said we're going to blockchain and we right. crypto. And we said, eh, maybe not. So last year... <laughs> We tried Indiegogo, didn't really love it. So this year we're trying BackerKit. And so far it's been really great. Uh, they have a lot of nice features as a, as a creator that I think it's a, it's a, it's been a really co- good platform and numbers wise, uh, we're doing well, you know, yeah. we're just at 42,000 right now. We've got 12 days left, 500 or 500 bucks away from our next stretch goal. And then we've got, uh, after that, Connie Chang, bring them out. And then another person after that, we've, we've got a fed, we got several stretch goals. So there's plenty of, there's plenty of room to grow. I'm certainly excited to, um, see more and more people come out, but also we're already in a great place. So I, I cannot complain, you know, there's been a lot of support and it's been really wonderful to see people supporting the con either that are going to attend like yourselves or <laughs> uh, people who are supporting from afar because we have things like you can just support the scholarship or you can have a game room dedicated in your name or you can play with a gm online before the con so there's a lot of like there's a lot of rewards even if you can't attend right. you can still be part of the con in some way cool taking an hour of your time i know you're a busy man uh anything uh, any big plans for the future of big bad or, or are you just gonna that is such a good question. Yeah. So I've been last year, Gina Ricker uh, was my co-steward for Big Bad Online, the online event. And uh, I am looking probably not this year, but next year at uh, one of the staff members becoming my co-steward of Big Bad. And the idea being that the more I can sort of promote and elevate the staff to be taking more and more of the work over, the more other other things that I can do. Um, you know, uh, in 2016 and 2017, we had an, uh, an outreach, a youth outreach event where we went out to uh, university homes, university homes, in Albany, UVA, University Village in Albany. Yeah. And ran a bunch of games for a bunch of teenagers, which was super fun. And I had a blast. And I want to th- right now, I'm kind of like head down, just like putting on two cons a year. Right. It, it, it takes it all out, all out of me to do that. But as I can transition some of that some of that other other folks i i have uh, ideas for other for other ways to grow and uh some of that might be going back to youth outreach i will say here on this podcast you've all heard it first it, the idea is still in germination but i would just pitch it right now little good con <laughs> i like I can, that that's really like that <laughs> I, um I, I i i look at the expense of cons uh the you know, you pay what seventy five bucks to get a badge to Big Bad Con, but what you're really paying is your um, your flight, your hotel, your childcare for your kids, your you know all the the expense of eating out, you know, for four days. That that's far more expensive than the cost of the con. Right. And so, what I'm really interested in is smaller events that are localized. So, in hubs of gamers, um, looking at events where you are are specifically just just trying to bring in the local folks you're not trying to it's not the goal is not to be international event the goal is not to have a lot of travel but to host it at a community center or a church or you know a school or someplace that's going to give you access to rooms at low rent so you can charge a low fee and people aren't paying all of the like all the costs that come along with going to a con and that's it's kind of going back to my roots in a little way because that's what Good Omens Con was. You know, it's like a one day event at at Endgame. Right. And so I'm looking at you know, is it one day? Is it weekend? Is it three day? What what's it look like? But that that's the idea that's germinating in my head. Who knows if it'll ever happen? But I would love to foster local events that don't cost as much for people to come because they're in the neighborhood. You know, and and you're and you're now worrying about parking and 
bridge bridge toll rather than a flight <laughs> and a hotel room you know so that's yeah that's, yeah, yeah. That's, I, I totally yeah. understand no that makes sense i mean i think that's a there's a place for those kind of cons these one day cons or just a week just two days maybe even yeah and just somewhere local where you're talking about a much smaller group of people playing yeah yeah because I, I mean i think you know i know tons of people in la i know tons of people in the barrier i know tons of people up in seattle right so even if i start even if you start there that's three really great hubs where there's plenty of gamers around right like yeah i, I don't know if you leave the west coast uh as well <laughs> but i know plenty of you know west coast locations where i think people would really benefit from having just another opportunity to to gather with friends and, and play games without the big expense right uh, so yeah, cool. That's that's what's you know who knows who knows when <laughs> if that'll ever happen. But that's that's what's in my mind. Cool. Well, as usual, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I wish we could talk more. I mean, I, I, you're in Oakland. I guess I could just call you, but I wouldn't know hey. when to call you because you're so busy. <laughs> I'm taking away time from Karen. I don't want that to happen. I don't want her mad at me. So continue doing what you're doing. You're doing a fantastic job. Obviously, people love going to Big, big Bad Con. You have a pretty good uh, numbers post-COVID, uh, extreme COVID, I don't know what you call it, the, this pandemic. So yeah. I think uh, you're I looking still good. I think we're in it, but, you know, it's, it, I, I get it. You know, or technically, it, the United States government, you know, the United States has said it's no longer a pandemic, but right. uh, numbers are still scary enough that I, I, I think we still got to be cautious. Oh, so. definitely, definitely. Yes, yes. Yeah. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline, and Sean. And Sean. Thank you for coming, Sean. I love uh, talking to you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a treat talking to both of you. <laughs> you it's always good day. talking to you. All right.